0: Everyone can rejoice when a soul comes to the Savior. Every Christian can rejoice. And there is a great joy that you cannot get from any other place on earth. Being found is a good feeling. The joy of leading someone to Christ will never leave you. It will continue even once you are in eternity. Let's all turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 and we'll from verse 1 to 7 and we'll stand for this one as well, Luke 15, 1 to 7. The title of the message is Lost Joy and Found Joy. We're going to talk about joy today. Alright, so lost joy, found joy, Luke fifteen, verse one to seven, it says Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners, for to him to hear him, let's all read it together. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You may be seated. Joy is something every person in the world wants to have. And it's good to be happy, but would you like to have joy in your everyday life? Now many seek after happiness rather than joy, but the most basic understanding of what joy is, is that joy comes vertically. And our happiness comes horizontally. One of the greatest ways to know if someone is happy is by looking at their face. What, is it, what do you see? A smile. And did you know that even in your mind, you would know or notice if somebody is smiling, even if their face was upside down? You know that they're smiling. Certain things on this world will indeed make you happy, and they will make you smile. But because happiness is a product of the things of this earth, along with the earth, it will not last. But in Galatians 5.22, joy is one of the characteristics that's given with the fruit of the Spirit. It's included in it, in a nice package. It's part of the package for someone that walks in the Spirit, right? And throughout our Bibles, we read stories of people that got joy in multiple ways. But I want to quickly go through some of, the five, some of these five different stories and I want to speak on this last story as well at the end, which I believe is the best way to have joy. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for a joyful day in, the, in your house. Lord, there really is no other place we can get joy but by walking with you. And I pray, Father, for everyone here today that they would have a blessed day, but also, Lord, that they would be blessed by this message, that you would use it, for the furtherance of your kingdom. And Lord, we live in a sad day. We live in a sad time in in this world's life where a lot of people are passing away because they can't find joy. But Lord, we know that the greatest joy in in a person's life is when they come to get to know you. But I pray, Father, that if there is somebody here that still hasn't found that eternal joy, that they would find it but also, Lord, that through this message that we as Christians would learn to use these five different stories to have joy in our lives, in our everyday Christian life. I pray and thank you, Lord, for all these things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first point I want to give is the joy of being saved. And you should have seen this coming, but 1 Samuel 18, verse 6. First Samuel 18, 6. Let's turn there. And you probably have heard of this story. 1 Samuel 18 and verse number 6, what we have is the aftermath of what was taking place. Excuse me. There we go. 18 and verse 6. And then it says here, And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music." Now for context here, David had just slew Goliath, right? And in the face of all the odds, when the situation seemed impossible, God made it possible. And he saved Israel, because of a young man who decided to step up for God. All of Israel rejoiced that day. And the moments in the midst of the battle were difficult. In fact, the situation was anxiety inducing. There must have been a lot of terror that was filling the hearts of every Israelite that day because they were about to be made slaves. But then David swung and hit Goliath in the head and the nine foot tall lifeless body made a thud of victory. It must have been an exhilarating moment you're not going into captivity, you have victory. Every sinner that has ever been born again faced a similar moment in their hearts. They weren't going into captivity, they can have victory. I remember myself when I was coming to Grace Baptist Church, every time somebody would have asked me before I had gotten saved, do you know the Lord as your personal savior? To me it just made sense, oh yeah, I know the Lord, my savior, yeah. But there came a moment in time where I had to make a decision. And if anyone were to have asked, I would have given them a general answer that, yes, I was okay. I was going to heaven. But then there was a time in April that an evangelist had a sermon that burned in my heart. And that same question kept coming up. Am I going to heaven after I die? Do I know 100% without a shadow of a doubt that I am going to heaven after I die? And then the second question came, why should I go to heaven? My answer was no. I, if I were to die, I would be ending up in hell. And the thought that God, the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of a ver- is a very true statement because I am sure of it, Pastor White make sure to preach the gospel every single message I am sure that he preached but for some reason it didn't click I sat in one of the pews that you're sitting in today and it was never clicking until this one day I came on a Monday for a revival meeting and the preacher was preaching and I was shook I was afraid he gave the invitation I was still afraid I didn't go on the invitation. Second day, Tuesday came along, I was afraid to go to the go to the preaching. And sure enough, the invitation came. My heart was pounding, I didn't know what to do. I stayed in my pew. Wednesday came, I got to get this over with. Wednesday came, and the Lord brought the victory. I came and I knelt at the invitation and I had joy because I knew that moment, there was really a burden that had lifted. Everyone that was here on that day would have seen a giant smile on my face. Didn't matter that I was going through finals during that time in high school, but I had joy. I had joy because God brought the victory. On that day when David slew Goliath, it was God who saved Israel. God brought the victory for Israel. And that was through David. There is joy because the burden has truly been taken off our shoulders. Guilt no longer needs to be toiled for because Jesus has taken our yoke. There is joy in salvation because Jesus is now our God, not the God of this world. Our eternity has been forever changed from death unto life. So there is joy in salvation. And then the second part, we get joy when we are around Christians. Let's go to First Chronicles. First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 12. Uh, chapter, yeah, 12. I thought I had 21 there. Chapter 12 and verse 38 and then verse 40. So chapter 12, verse 38 says, all these men of war that could keep, keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel and all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. And then verse 40, moreover, they that were nigh them, even unto Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali Uh, brought bread on asses and on camels and on mules and on oxen and meat meal, cakes of figs and bunches of raisins and wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly. But look at this, for there was joy in Israel. Now for quick context, this was taking place when David wasn't able to be king because Saul didn't want to leave the throne. He was stubborn and he was hunting down David for a time. And there were people that were still aiding, out, aiding David. He, they were helping him out. And because they understood that David also was the right king of Israel. The, the king that God wanted for Israel. So these guys came to be known. What we may, you may have heard throughout church uh, services or something. It's called David's mighty men. These are the ones called David's mighty men. And through this chapter we're told that these men were men with a perfect heart. These were men that had a heart that was clean. Clean because they would confess their sins on a regular basis. This word perfect is not the way we understand perfect today. But just for a quickly, just to help you understand it, I have two verses here. First Kings 8.61, it says, Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. And then in James 3, verse 2, it says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. See, these were men who understood their frailty. These were men that understood their sinfulness. They understood that they can succumb into temptations and they knew they needed God. They were on the same boat as David. And the reason for joy is that David understood that these men were believers just like him. They were believers just like him. These were people that went through the same temptations as he did he was able to relate with these men, these mighty men. And he was able to rejoice in their victories and they were able to rejoice in his victories. The burdens he carried, they helped carry also. And brethren, the reason God made sure that church had fellowship is for the same reason. We are to carry one another's burdens. We're to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Take a look in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Romans 12, verse 15. And here it is Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Pretty straightforward. We strengthen each other when we fellowship. We know that we have brethren that will back us up when we go back into the world the next day. That the same love of Christ that can be felt when we fellowship with like-minded Christians. And it's so important. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, I'll just read it for you. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching see how important it is to have fellowship in church that's how you get joy now i have visited five different countries in the world five different countries with churches every single time when it came time to fellowship I was able to fellowship, I was able to rejoice with these Christians all around the world. Why? Because the same spirit dwells in me as it does in those believers. Whether I was in the Philippines or whether I was in Honduras, whether I was in Sri Lanka or whether I was in France or whether I was in the US or in Toronto, not that it's a different country, but you get the idea. Believers, if they're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, just like you, you can fellowship with them. And that brotherly love, let it continue, just as Hebrews 13.1 says. When you walk into Grace Baptist Church, you may have noticed we even have a tapestry right up beside the one that has the lamb picture. There's one that has a picture of a nice country church. It says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Are you happy you're in the Lord's house today? Do you feel joy when you come and see other believers? Or does it feel like, oh man, again, not church. Okay, let's get this over with. No, there's joy. There's joy when you fellowship. There is a sense of security. There's a sense of love. There's a sense of care. There's a sense of rejoicing in the house of the Lord. Okay, number three. The joy of sacrificial giving. So you're in, if you were in 1 Corinthians, I think I made you turn away from it, but 1 uh, sorry, 1 Chronicles. First Chronicles, chapter 29. And verse 9. It says, Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David, the king, also rejoiced with great joy. Giving to God willingly brings joy to your heart. It enables you to get that special blessing that only comes from God. Joy. Giving is truly a wonderful thing to do because it brings joy straight from heaven. You don't have to work it up. It just comes. We know right off the bat that God is also delighted with somebody who gives willingly with a cheerful heart. See, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So let's be honest, the greatest thing that God really wants is really your heart. It's not your money. It's your heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's a principle we learned from Matthew 6, 21. The fact that you're willing to give, that will help you see how your relationship is to God. And it is that willing and giving heart that God loves so much and will give joy and much more in return. It is indeed more blessed to give than to receive. All right, number four, the joy of seeing Jesus. The joy of seeing Jesus. There is joy when you see Jesus. We can rejoice because we will reign with Christ one day. Christ is coming back. Isaiah 65 Verse 17 and 18. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. We can have joy in the fact that everything we do for God on this earth today can count towards this Kingdom that's one day coming. Christ will establish what we know as the 1,000 year reign, where he will be the king. But a king also needs servants. And who are these servants? It's us, Christians. We're servants. Those servants are Christians of today. And the servants that have the greater reign, or so to speak, the ministry, the greater ministry are the ones that took on the greater works of faith for the Lord in this world now. They're the ones that are made the greater rulers in the coming kingdom. And you have this principle talked about in Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. I'm just reading it quickly here because we are running out of time. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they... "...which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many." So there is joy in knowing that the Master is coming and He will see our works. In other words, our work is not in vain. Our work is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Many of you know. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's joy in knowing that you're serving and that Jesus one day will see your work. With God, there is no such thing as done in vain. The Master is coming and he will, we will get to rejoice in our labor, our finished labor. And now finally, the fifth, the joy of the end of a sermon. Just kidding. The joy of soul winning. The joy of soul winning. Luke 15. Luke 15. Luke 15, and we're back where we started. And I want to bring your attention to verse number seven. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons, which need no repentance. You've heard the song. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness. He's received my son. All of heaven rejoices. That's the value of one. This is where we started and this is where we'll end. We were once sinners on our way to hell and when we got saved we had found the way to heaven and when others find that same way we rejoice. There is no greater joy in knowing that the lost have come to know this same God you fell in love with. But it is even more joyful when it is you that God used to bring that person to the Lord. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6, you may have heard it many times over. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forward and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Rejoicing will be the natural outflow of what takes place in your heart. So are you glad you are saved? Someone had once decided that they were going to tell you about the savior. They're rejoicing somewhere. Now the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son, these are all in the same chapter. These all talk about the same thing. Once was lost, now is found. After I had gotten married, my wife and I, it's really weird to say that, you know? My wife and I we went and we stayed at a hotel. We were incredibly exhausted. And you know we did what couples do after they get married they're exhausted they want to sleep. So we get changed we you know I shower and I get to bed. I put all my stuff together. All my valuables I put usually my wallet, my keys and my ring right beside each other and my phone right beside each uh, each other. On the end table and I go to sleep and uh, she did the same on her end and then I woke up grabbed my grabbed all the stuff it was all there it was good grabbed it all you know uh, got changed and everything we went for breakfast and our flight to our honeymoon place was right a uh, was a couple of hours after our breakfast we didn't want to miss the flight that's why we had gone to the hotel in the first place so um, get breakfast you know we pack our bags and everything we're about to leave and uh, I'm looking at my everything and just trying to make sure I have everything that we need for this honeymoon we're about to leave and I'm at the checkout counter and the you know the clerk is asking how was your stay did you enjoy it as a as the first day as a couple and everything you know and it was it was great and then While I have conversation, it's natural for me to, you know, fiddle with something. And as a married guy, I usually started fiddling with the ring. It's actually, I think, natural for men to do it, especially during the first uh, days of marriage. And I'm looking for it, I don't feel it. (laughs) And I'm going. I st- my eyes widen in front of the clerk, and then the clerk's like, did I mess up? Did I say something? I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, no, no. I lost my ring. <laughs> and then I'm looking at her, and she's like, I'm going to check. And then she, t- uh, she calls the security. They check all the cameras. They start, che- uh, they start asking me, where were the exact places you went in the hotel? I told them, we went to the cafeteria, and we went to the, I used the washroom here. And then I, I was on this floor and everything. So the guy in the security room, he checked in five minutes. He was, he, this is what he told me. It looks like you never walked out of your room with your ring on. So it's possible that it's still in there. But we'll double check for you just in case. So what the hotel people did, they sent a team into my room they they flipped the beds they pulled out the covers they checked the drains they undid the drains and checked it okay they looked in our garbage bins everything looking for this one ring and sure enough they didn't find it and then what the hotel clerk said look i i think maybe your ring could be in one of your baggages did you have the ring before you came to the to the hotel i said yes i don't know where it it, where it went and everything well our Uber taxi came and we had to go to the airport. I said, all right, well, time to cut our losses. Let's just go to the honeymoon. This is going to be the saddest honeymoon because I'm the worst husband ever. I just lost the ring, (laughs) right? And what the hotel clerk said, look, if we find the ring or if you find the ring, just let us know, call us. We, uh, we want to know if you found the ring because we'll keep looking. I was said, okay, well, I'm looking for my passports, you know, on our way to the, uh, to the airport. And then I feel the ring. It was right there in my bag. What had happened was, because I didn't have enough time between when we bought the ring and the wedding, I bought the ring just a little too big. So it comes off super easy. And what happened was, I was packing something, and when I pulled my hand out, I didn't realize that the ring was in there. So I called up the hotel, I said, hey, I found the ring. They're like, yeah, they're all high-fiving each other on the other end of the phone and everything. Everyone was happy. I want you to take a look at verse number nine. Chapter 15, verse nine. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Doesn't that sound really similar? Everyone can rejoice. Everyone can rejoice when a soul comes to the Savior. Every Christian can rejoice. And there is a great joy that you cannot get from any other place on earth. Being found is a good feeling. The joy of leading someone to Christ will never leave you. It will continue even once you are in eternity because you will see them. And we have such a huge opportunity every single week to have joy, to go find the lost coin, to go find the lost sheep, to go find the prodigal son. Look for the spiritually minded people. That's what God wants us to do in Surrey so I'm gonna conclude we have five different ways I've outlined five different ways to have joy and the best one being leading somebody to Christ joy is such a pleasant feeling but the greatest part about joy is that it will never leave you even when the times get tough it will let you have a smile on your face even when the days grow weary and long And when the difficult times come and the devil still tempts you, you can still have joy. Christians have at least five ways to have joy. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.